Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th of 2022 in Verona, Italy. This year will be an exclusively in-person edition. The main theme of the event will be all-round wine communication, and tickets are on sale now. The first early bird discount will be available until August 22nd. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. Welcome to this special Five Star Wines and Wine Without Walls series on wine, food and travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. For the next weeks, we will be focusing on a dozen trophy-winning wineries from the competitions that took place in Verona at the start of Vinitali in early April. The winning wines are without doubt some of the very best that Italy has to offer. What I'm most interested in discovering are the stories behind the bottles, learning about the wines themselves, of course, and also about the people who make them, where they're from, what they eat, how they live. It's a fascinating journey that will take us all across Italy, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. In this special Five Star Wines and Wine Without Walls edition, I'm delighted to shine a spotlight on Casale del Giglio, located south of Rome in the region of Lazio. The Casale del Giglio winery entered a number of wines in Five Star Wines this year, all of which received outstanding scores. So I'm delighted to welcome Export Director Elise Rialand. How are you today, Elise? Hi, Mark. I'm very good. Thank you. Great. Well, the aim of, uh, of my show is really to give an insight to the story behind the bottles in Five Star Wines. So to help our listeners understand better where, where Casale del Giglio is, can you describe your area, where you are, and just give our, paint a picture for our listeners so they can get an understanding of exactly where you are? Sure. So, um, Casale del Giglio is in the Lazio region, as you just said. Uh, it's uh, located some 50 kilometers uh, south, south of Rome in an area called Agropontino. We are uh, right in the middle between the seaside and the hills. And uh, yes. And I'm imagining right now uh, you're in the full heat of summer. Is that right? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think this year the summer began like beginning of May, early May, and we are still in a, facing a heat wave. Yes, totally. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we've actually been having a heat wave here in England. It, it hit 40 degrees in London this week. I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah, it's been crazy. So I'm imagining it's even hotter where you are south of Rome, but beautiful with the seaside not far away and the hills where the vines grow. So I'm imagining for our listeners a really special place. It is, it is, yes. Now, the history of Casale del Giglio is also the history of the Santarelli family. Can you tell us a little bit about the story of, of, the, of the estate and how it about. Yes, yeah, so the, the Casale del Giglio is a family-owned uh, winery. Um, Antonio Santarelli is the actual owner. 
the story began with his great grandfather. He was already a, a wine lover when he decided in the early nineteenth uh, century to create his own uh, um, society of uh, wine and oil business. He owned. Uh, 15 different shops uh, in Rome of selling wine and, and olive oil. And then after that, his son, which is the father of Antonio right now, um, has discovered this area in the Agropontino and just fall in love with this area and decided to buy this estate which uh, is now Casale del Giglio in 1967. So we have recently um, celebrated the century of wine of the Santarelli family. Okay, so that's amazing. So it really began, then the estate began as a way to supply wine to the shops in Rome that the family still own? Exactly. And they were also uh, selling wines uh, abroad to Canada, for example, to the army. So, yes, there was already uh, in an export uh, business too, but also of local wines. Okay, so that was really one of the, uh, uh, an early example of taking Italian wines and, and taking them around the world. Yes, yes. Now, this is, of course, an area south of Rome where the grapevine has been cultivated since the Roman times, if not earlier. So we're talking about a very historic part of Italy. It is. Even though our area has a, a history, a specific history, because uh, we were... Uh, we are in an area uh, until the 30s, this area going towards south towards Latina and Naples were all marshlands. So they have, they've all been drained in the 30s. So we can consider our area, the Agropontino, in, this, uh, in the early 30s, it was all virgin. It was an explored area. But as I said, the father of Antonio Santarelli really fell in love with this area. And I think he foresaw a great potential down there. So he wanted to uh, found out all the, the, the potential and they decided in 1985 to launch a big project of research and experimentation. So they decided to plant 57 different kind of grapes just to see which were the grapes that adapted best to this territory. Uh, out of those grapes, there were obviously Italian grapes, local grapes, but not, not only local, uh, from northern Italy, from Trentino, uh, but also international grapes, like French grapes or Spanish grapes. And this has been a huge project, first of all, for Casale del Giglio, because uh, that's how the range really started out of those uh, 60, uh, 57 grapes. We have selected one third that have been replanted and that are now part of the range of Casale del Giglio. But it has been also very important for many producers around us to discover that grapes like Viognier or Petit Mansang or Petit Verdot or the Syrah or the Tempranillo, for example, would have found such a good territory here uh, to, to grow and to get and to become really excellent wines. Well, that's a fascinating story. Really interesting that, as you say, although... It's an ancient wineland. The marshes had to be drained, something that happened during the time of Mussolini, I suppose. That was when, exactly. when yes, the yes. Uh, marshes were drained and lands reclaimed. And then the family saw the potential to make quality wines. Exactly, exactly. And Also I quite, uh, quite, um, quite a lot of foresight to be 
bringing in international grapes rather than just concentrating on the native grapes? Yeah, so the international grapes were the biggest surprise of uh, this project that was held in 85. And, uh, but then in, in the last 15 years, we also wanted to rediscover some local grapes that sometimes were a little bit underestimated. And um, so uh, now today, the winemaker likes to consider Casale del Giglio as a flower, and then we have different petals. So the first one is on the island of Ponza, where we went there some 15 years ago to rediscover the Biancolella, which is a local grapes originally from the island um, of Ischia, but that was brought by the Bourbons also to Ponza. So we have uh, some small uh, lands there and we have rediscovered this Biancolella, which is really special. And after that, we um, wanted to rediscover also the Bellone, in the area of Anzio. So Anzio is another of this petal of the, the flower. And uh, the Bellone, which is really special in the area of Anzio, Anzio with a very sandy soil, those as ungraft, ungrafted vines, that are like 200 meters from the seaside. Another petals is also in Olevano Romano, where there is a bouquetted area for the Cesanese. And uh, the last but not the least, as you know, the Santarelli family is, uh, has its origin in Amatrice. And uh, we have a project that is now uh, on the Pecorino in the area of Amatrice. So those are all like satellites projects that are now totally part of the range of Casale del Giglio. So we have international grapes, thanks to this project that have uh, been held on this virgin land, but also many um, local grapes that have been rediscovered uh, with a real success. Well, that's a really fascinating story. I didn't know about the Bianco Lela on the island of Ponza. Um, where is Ponza? I can't. I don't know the island and can't quite picture where it is. Is it just off the coast from you? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Those are the um, Pontina Islands. Uh, Ponza uh, is uh, one of the of the biggest. Palmarola, uh, Ventotene. Those are all islands that are just in front of the of the coast. Uh, just. Uh, Quite in front of us, actually. Okay, so beautiful islands to visit in the summertime, I guess. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Actually, in Punsa, we it is an heroic uh, viticulture. Uh, those are all terraces. It's very hilly. Uh, it's an old volcanic island. So that's very, it's fascinating. Okay, like Ischia. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. And that's the origin, the first origin, original uh, uh, territory of the Biancolella is Ischia. So actually they are quite similar island, yes. Okay, so a fresh style of white to enjoy with the seafood of the island? Yes, of course, yes. You can almost feel the, the seaside in your mouth, right? It's very like, mm. almost saltiness, but very, yes, yes, very fresh and crispy. Bologna uh, is an, uh, an important grape, uh, a, a grape that was at risk of disappearing. I'm interested to hear of the ungrafted vines planted in sand. Of course, Philosera can't penetrate the sandy soil, so you're able to have ungrafted vines. And this is a grape that's capable of producing well-structured and, and really interesting white wines. Exactly, exactly. So, Italian Wine Podcast. 
Brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. As I told you, this area is really 200 meters from the sea, so the soil is totally sandy, and it has prevented the, the, um, the diffusion of the philosa. So those are engrafted vines that are almost 60 or 70 years old. And the, this, um, this bellone is really, is really interesting. The winemaker has also in this grape a great aging potential. So that's why uh, next to our regular, uh, regular production of, um, of the bellone, which is also the anthium, made from this 100% uh, bellone grape, he has decided to uh, test the longevity of the bellone with another, with a reserva, uh, who, uh, who ages um, 24 months in oak and then eight months in amphora, in terracotta amphora. And this is our radix. That's a very special uh, wine. And uh, obviously the, the amphora has... Uh, exalted has made um, this 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 longevity that the winemaker really tries to get to its wine. So it's not oxidation, but it's really this uh, oxygenation has made this one really really special. Okay, so again, going back to almost Roman traditions with the aging of the wine in terracotta, the acidity of the Bellone, I guess, allows that aging as well as the structure of it. Yes, exactly, exactly. I think it's one of the characteristic. Uh, uh, if we can, you know, talk about uh, Paolo Tiffenthaler, which is our winemaker, and this year is going to be his thirty-fifth uh, uh, harvest at the winery, so it's a long-term relationship. But he's from Trentino, the Trentino, and he really tries to uh, get all his whites with uh, this great acidity, a good minerality, and he wants his white to have this aging potential, uh, definitely. And I would say that on the reds, he really tries, he always says that it's very easy in our area to get very um, powerful reds, very uh, quite chemi fruit uh, reds, but he really wants his red instead to be very elegant, uh, to have fine tannins. And this is definitely uh, his um his characteristic on, on our range, on our wines, yes. Well, tell us about um, the native red variety then, Cesanese. Again, not so well known for many of our listeners, but a grape that's really fascinating, has huge potential, and is capable of making truly great red wine. Yes, absolutely. It's such a pity, really, that those grapes, such great grapes are uh, underestimated. Um, the Cesanese is an historical grape for the Lazio. It's actually a DOC and DOCG in the Lazio. So we have it as an IGT because where we are, obviously, it's IGT, but the grapes come from um, a vocated area. We are uh, specifically in the Ole Olivano Romano area, which is uh, just on the top of the hills. We are like three, four hundred meters above uh, the level of the sea. Um, it's such a, a nice, uh, fruity and cherry uh, grape, really. Uh, obviously, here the hand of the winemaker is adding something special because we have it aging in cherry woods. So that will also help on this uh, flavor and this uh, fine tannins and on the cherryness that is very characteristic of that grape. But here again, uh, a very good acidity. So those are uh, really with a great aging potential. Well, that's really interesting, the cherry wood to enhance that, uh, that delightful fruit that, that comes through in the wine. 
but with still that potential to age and evolve and develop in the bottle. So, Elise, tell me about a few more of wines from international, maybe one or two of the more important wines that are representative of Casale del Giglio. Sure, I think the best seller ever. And if you ever go to, Ro- to Rome, you will definitely have the opportunity to taste our Satrigo. Uh, the Satrigo is a, a white wine, which is a blend of Chardonnay, Sauvignon, and Trebbiano. So obviously the Sauvignon would be for the aromatic part, the Chardonnay would come for the body, and the um, uh, Trebbiano linked together uh, the, 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 the other grapes. But this is definitely the more, most characteristic wine of, uh, of the wineries. Very fresh. It's uh, food friendly, uh, perfect for the aperitivo, but also for uh, first dishes, you know, like Italian pasta. And uh, it's just like a summertime wine but that you can really enjoy all year long. Um, I think the second one that has to really be uh, um, be told about would be the Mater Matuta. Mater Matuta uh, is uh, the top of a range, I would say the flagship of the winery. Uh, it's a blend of 85% Syrah and 15% Petit Verdot. Uh, it ages 24 months in new oak barrels and then another couple of years aging in bottle. I think Mater Matuta for Paolo, for our winemaker, really was meant to express uh, the excellence of the territory. Um, that's why... If there, might, there might be some years in which the quality of the grapes, if the, if the quality doesn't reach the level of perfection that the winemaker wants for this wine, then he, we would rather not produce uh, the Mater Matuta rather than to have, you know, like a so-so Mater Matuta. Mater Matuta has to be like perfect. So it's very, yes, it's a very emblematic wine. And I want also say two words about the name Mater Matuta. Mater Matuta is the name of a goddess of fertility uh, and dawn, and we have the temple of this goddess just in front of the winery. So um, actually, we have an archaeological site beneath uh, the vineyard. It's a fascinating project that we have with an archaeologist, um, Marek Yade. She's a professor from the University of Amsterdam, and he's been now more than 35 years that every summer she comes back with her students to keep on some diggings. So we actually have uh, some um, excavations just in the middle of the vineyard of uh, um, some four or five centuries uh, before Christ. So we have, there was the city of Satricum and a sacred route leading to the temple of Mater Matuta. So that's really fascinating. And during the summertime, we can follow the, the diggings, which are really, really something special. Well, wow, that is absolutely fascinating. A fascinating link between wine and history. Uh, a link between your flagship wine, Mater Matuta, and, and of course, this ancient civilization. Yes, and not only, uh, we have another wine, the, the Cesanese, which on the, on, the, um, on the label, we have a skifos, which was a ceramic goblet that we used already four centuries before Christ to drink wine, and that has been found uh, during excavation just under uh, our wine, the, the vineyard. So that's really um, a great experience for all of us, yes. Oh, that's fabulous. I love that. 
Now, Elise, can we turn our attention to the Cucina of Lazio, and particularly of, uh, of the Latina area and of your area south of Rome? Are there, your, your wines are all very food-friendly, so let's talk about some of the dishes that pair particularly well with some of your wines. Sure. So, as I say, we are just by the sea, so obviously all about uh, fishes and shellfish or raw fish, our wines just fit perfectly uh, with those. Um, as I said, we also have some wine made really on the seaside, so those are really perfect. And I would think about the Satrico, also the Viognier, obviously the Bellone, Antium, um, Antium, those are really perfect for those kind of, of uh, pairing. Are there particular seafood dishes that are typical of your area? Any piatti del mare that are really typical? Well, you know, we have the spaghetti alle vongole, which is very special. There is a typical... Mm, I love that. Yeah, there is a typical crab pasta dish uh, in the island of Ponza, uh, which is very characteristic too, and which is a perfect uh, pairing with the biancolela, obviously. And... Uh, uh, or some raw fish or local fish uh, that is just perfect with, with our wines. And uh, obviously we are just by Rome, so a lot of Roman dishes uh, have their perfect pairings with our wine. And we think about, uh, you know, the Grisha or Amatriciana, uh, the Grisha, also the Antium. I told you about pairing with the uh, seafood, but it's also perfect with the Grisha because it has a nice acidity that really cleans out uh, the mouth from the, uh, the, the, the... Guanciale, right? The pork chick. Yeah. And the Amatriciana, which is the Grisha with the tomato sauce, our rosé, the Albiola, is really perfect, uh, a perfect pairing. Um, then other dishes would be like the Abacchio, the Abacchio Scottadito, for the Scottadito, for example, is perfect with the with our Petit Verdot. You know, we have a pure Petit Verdot. We were the first one to make it pure in Italy and to get the IGT for this French um, variety. So, yes, it would be perfect pairing with the, with the lamb. The Abacchio, the baby lamb, Scottadito, that burns your fingers when you pick it up. Yes, exactly, because you have to, you have to eat it with your hands, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and we have a special pairing with our uh, big mater matuta too. There is a local provola um, cheese made from buffalo milk and that we have it. We have age, it aging syrup pomaces. So it gets really like a drink and this perfect pairing with the mater matuta actually. Yeah. Amazing. And I imagine also the carne di bufala would be good with the bigger red wines. Exactly. For example, there is a spezzatino di bufala, which is really perfect with the cesanese. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, these are dishes that people have to come to the area to experience and discover. Now, tell us a little bit about wine hospitality at Casale del Genio. Is that important to you? And what can visitors expect? Well, of, of course, yes. So, you know, we are, as I said, we are like uh, 40 minutes away from Rome. So, obviously, a, lo a lot of tourists 
get the opportunity of visiting uh, the Eternal City and to have uh, a wine experience too. So we have a lot of uh, wine lovers. Uh, we regularly uh, organize almost daily um, those um, guided tours and tasting uh, all around the winery. And we talk back, uh, obviously, the story. We go into the vineyard uh, from the rooftop of the winery so that you have a 360 grades view of all the vineyards. So we have the winery is quite large, 180 hectares. So from the rooftop, you can, you know, see all, which is very nice. I think the area is really deserve, you know, this um, this special attention. And uh, the, all the area, uh, you might know that just uh, uh, not far from the winery, we have the uh, Ninfa Gardens, which are uh, UNESCO heritage. And um, so those are all, you know, specialty that we have in the territory that really deserve um, the wine lovers to go there and to discover our unexplored territory that has so much to to give to to tourists to tourists wonderful i guess it's also close enough to come out on a day trip from rome absolutely totally yeah it's a 40 minute drive so it's very it's very easy and then you know after uh, the visit of the winery you can you know go to the seaside there are just beautiful beaches with a the Circeo area, Sabaudia, Sperlunga, those are all very nice spots just uh, just near the winery. Yeah. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Well, I'd love to visit you one day myself. Yeah, it would be lovely. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for being my guest. And I hope we can meet sometime in the near future. Thank you, Mark. So I can't wait to see you and to welcome you at the winery and also the wine lovers that would like to discover our fantastic and unique wines from the Lazio Agropuntino. Thank you, Elise. Grazie e a presto. Ciao, Mark. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th, 2022 in Verona, Italy. Remember, the first early bird discount on tickets will be available until August 22nd. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.